Welcome to the 1,000 Hours Outside podcast. My name is Ginny Rich. I'm the founder of 1,000 Hours Outside. And you are going to be so thrilled to know that Julie Schultz is back again. Welcome. <laughs> this is when you say, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me or something I'm like that. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Ginny. I'll feed you your lines for the whole thing. Will that work out well? Ginny, we got to start over. No, we're not starting over. We're it's starting already over. going. We can't start over. It's going. Over. People are thrilled to have you. So I'm going to tell you who Julie is. Okay. Julie is a mom of eight, and she has homeschooled all of her children. Four have already graduated. Four are still at home. And together, we have written a curriculum that is probably primarily for homeschoolers, but mm -hmm. could be used really for anyone. It could be used for nature schools. It could be used for charter schools. It could be used for people who just want to further their learning and they love nature and they want to learn more about it. So it's called Add the Wonder Nature Curriculum. And what it is, is it's a curriculum that can be used multi-age which is really important. Mm -hmm. Dr. Peter Gray talks about this quite a bit, that multi-age is so important. And so we're aiming to get as much multi-age experience throughout childhood as we possibly can. So in a homeschool environment, this works out really well. Multi-age, it is cross-curricular, which means that math, history, science, geography, language, career study, biography, history, all of these things are woven together in a cohesive way. So that makes it easier to remember. It's fascinating because when we're creative and we're when our interest is peaked, then we learn easier, we learn more, and we tend to remember those things for a lot longer of a period of time. And it is affordable. We each have large families. So for this curriculum, you just buy one per family. That's all you need. And all the kids, they'll use a notebook or a nature journal, maybe a little bit of both. And at the end of the school year, then they each have this really nice keepsake of a nature journal that they can keep and it can serve as your portfolio if you live in a state that requires that for homeschooling or you just keep it for your own memories and it's real special to see the growth and the learning along the way. So Julie is here because it is the summer and we're heading into a new school year and a lot of people are up in the air about what they're going to do for education and trying to figure out what to do for this coming year. And so we're going to be talking about homeschooling some. We're going to be talking about this curriculum and how we weave it into our day-to-day -day life. That was a lot of the questions that we got asked at the conferences that we were just at in the spring. We were at quite a bit of conferences together. And so we got to talk with a lot of you and answer questions. And maybe you're going to learn something today, too. I think so. I think so. Mm -hmm. So what we're going to do is walk through sort of a day in the life. You could even maybe just start with some of your thoughts on homeschooling. Mm -hmm. You've been doing it for a long time. Yep. So when we first started homeschooling, my oldest is 24 and then my next oldest is 23. So they were able to do a lot together and they were like the traditional easy kid. Like they would do the workbooks. They were very happy, all the things like that. And then I got to my third born and he was different and he was later diagnosed with dyslexia, but he did not learn the workbook way. And it was really hard. I had no idea what to do. And so one day I said, Luke, what do you want to learn about? And he chose something. And that's how unit studies were born into our family. He eventually did learn to read and he does all the things and he's thriving now. But I couldn't do a separate curriculum for each child. We would be schooling for 12 hours a day if I did that. Right. And I've tried. I have definitely tried because I really thought that was the only way to ever learn. 
And mm. if my kid was going to be successful, they had to do the traditional school method. It's like they had to learn the second grade things yes. in second grade. Yes. I and would, the third grade yes. things. But that stuff is so arbitrary. I think from being a teacher, that was eye-opening for me to realize this stuff is seems like it's coming out of thin air. Mm -hmm. It's You know, it works for a systematic approach. It's needed. It's needed if you're trying to move 25 kids through this stage of growth and learning all together, all sort of at the same time, that's what you have to do. And then you move, they go on to a new teacher. So you have to have that systematic approach. But if your kids are home or you have maybe a hybrid learning situation, it doesn't matter if your kid learns something at seven or 10 or 15. Mm -hmm. If they learn it, they learn it. It doesn't necessarily matter when. And, and there's some scaffolding involved in math and maybe some scaffolding involved in some grammar and things like that. But for the most part, you learn what you learn when you learn it. And if you can have this full basis of information going into adulthood you can more easily join into conversation you just have these jumping off points that you already know about something or you've been exposed to it so it makes it easier to learn the other things but it doesn't necessarily matter when and in fact i think it's super important heading into the school year to remind people that some kids learn to read when they're three and some kids learn to read when they're 12 and every span in between is a normal time frame to learn how to read and so we don't have to rush and it doesn't have to look the same for every single child. Mm -hmm. But the fear is there. Right. And the fear was always there for me. I had three kids that didn't learn to read till 10. Only one of them was dyslexic. The other ones just didn't learn to read till they were 10. But I was in panic mode all the time. I mean, were my kids going to be able to get a job and have a family mm -hmm. and be productive? And I would live in fear all the time. So even though my natural bent was towards learning in a cohesive way through unit studies. I was constantly battling that fear until my kids started graduating. Wow, that's a yeah. long time to live with it that fear. It was a long time and I want people to know like it's my passion. You do not have to live with that fear. Hmm. My kids learned very gently and we did not spend 12 hours a day doing school. It was two or three, even in high school. And my first two went to college and they did great. And then my next two went to trade school and college and they did great. My fourth born just finished his first year of college with a 4.0 and grades don't mean everything to me. I just share this because he's never taken a formal test in his life until he got to college. Wow. And now he's in engineering school with a 4.0 wow. because he learned cool things and mm -hmm. he wants to continue learning cool things. So he's constantly bringing me cool facts and things like that because he learned to love to learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an incredible story. That's what people love to hear about at the mm -hmm. booth, right? Because people are nervous and they don't want to mess their kids up. But it is important to know that just because someone puts something in a second grade curriculum doesn't mean that this has to be learned in second grade. And so we really can learn in a multi-age way. And if you want to learn more about that, Dr. Peter Gray, who wrote Free to Learn, and he's written many other books as well, he writes for Psychology Today. He says it's one of the most important things that should happen in childhood is that kids should have multi-age experiences. And so in our situation, we're also aiming to spend obviously a lot of time outside because the research is very clear that free play outside, free play with friends, multi-age, that all of those things contribute to whole self-development. So, you know, some people say, look, we got the academics down. You know, if your kid is in school for seven hours a day or if they're doing seat work for two to three hours, that's enough. That's enough. They need to have this time to grow as an as a person. And so when they're outside and they're moving and they're getting in all this complex movement, that's helping their brain grow. Obviously, people who have listened to this podcast 
they're hearing this all the time, but it's helping their physical bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, it's helping the, the very function of their brain. It's helping them emotionally. It's helping all their social skills. It's helping them spiritually. If that's something that you're interested in and our curriculum does come with the free devotionals that are available actually to anyone. You don't even have to buy the curriculum to get the devotionals. Those are on our website, 1000hoursoutside.com for free to download. And there's devotionals that go with each unit if that's something that a family is interested in. But we wanted to have time for that. And we really want to have a lot of time for community. Mm -hmm. And within our homeschool life, we really have some strong community and spend a lot of time together, all the siblings, the parents and things like that. And so we are also looking for kind of like you said, a way to learn in a way that's not so segmented because then it's faster. Mm-hmm. Much faster and you remember more. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm learning about sunflowers, which we're gonna talk a little bit about today, and I learned that the sunflower was native to North America and that when the Spanish came to settle or explore North America, they found these sunflowers and they were fascinated by them. So they filled their pockets with seeds, took them back to Europe. I will forever remember that. So in these unit studies, then you're going to learn a little bit about the Spanish exploration. Our family has started, we, we've always kept a timeline, but it was only for history curriculum. Like you can only keep this timeline for the history curriculum. But now we've started to put these cool history points on the timeline. And it's so cool. And my kids remember that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then even when you're doing it this cohesively as a family, or some people do it as a nature group, Mm -hmm. then you're learning just through conversation, through the interaction with other people. If they're painting their picture of sunflowers that's trying to sort of emulate something that Van Gogh did, you know, you're you're seeing theirs and you're seeing yours as well. And so it's not just you. Mm -hmm. It's not just you, Mm -hmm. one person interacting with you, your one set of material, it's you interacting with several people. And I know in particular with the sunflowers unit, you did that one with another family. Mm -hmm. We did, and it was really, really cool. And you can do this with other families. We don't do every day with another family. We'll pick maybe two or three days out of the eight day unit and do it together because we did do the Van Gogh day together. Mm -hmm. We studied different artists that painted sunflowers because sunflowers are the happy flower. We learned about the artists and then we were able to recreate a Van Gogh painting and it was so cool. And the kids were super into it. And it sparked an interest in one of my kids to study art and we're not an artsy family. So I Mm -hmm. thought it was fascinating, but we learned all about art because of sunflowers. And that is another thing too, about things that are fascinating and creativity, that this is going to spark interest in other areas. It's going to expose kids to a lot of different areas of study so that they can learn what they like and what causes them to light up and they can go down their own rabbit holes. And so these unit studies, to talk about them in particular, are meant to last two weeks But in our family and in your family too, Mm -hmm. they often last longer than two weeks just because there are a lot of rabbit holes and it's fun to learn in context. And if there's something that interests our family, then we're going to spend a little bit more time on that or we might go on a field trip or something like that to further the learning. It's learning in a hands-on way. So let's just talk about the day-to-day. So this is a big thing with homeschooling and when people are sort of sorting that through in their minds what is our homeschool day going to look like and i think it's good to have a rhythm i think it helps i think your rhythm can change season to season week to week even you can try different things but having a rhythm helps everyone from the oldest member of the family to the youngest to kind of know what to expect it helps pull out a little bit of the chaos and you know we never have i mean occasionally the kids don't want to do the kids want to do what they want to do but because it doesn't take a super long time and because we have a rhythm 
they know what to expect and there's not this butting of heads that's kind of what i thought homeschool would be like didn't you oh yeah like, sure. like you know because yeah. when you're sitting in a classroom at in a school day you're like oh, i don't want to be here mm-hmm. kids are causing problems they're throwing things at the teacher you know you're just like you're done because but it's so long and in this case this is and that's what i thought might happen at home i'm gonna spit balls coming my way Do your kids throw things at no you? they don't no one's ever thrown anything <laughs> at me see because you have this rhythm and everyone sort of knows what to expect and i think because we're not co-opting so much of their time they have a lot of freedom that this rhythmic way of doing schooling it works it, it works for work. everyone Yep. And we've had the same rhythm almost our entire homeschool journey. And I think this is our, I don't know, my oldest is almost 25 and he's never been in school. So however long that is, like 19 or 20 years, we've kind of had the same rhythm, even in the years that I thought we needed to do school at home instead of homeschooling. Um, And it always starts with morning time for us. My kids know when they get up. Um, Sometimes we don't even eat breakfast first. We just sit and we read whatever books we're reading, usually one read aloud. And then we watch this cute little kids news thing for 10 minutes. We love that. That's love World it. Watch News. Yes. That's so a fun good. way to start the day. It's a great way to oh, start the day. We really like day. World Watch News too. My family is very conversational. So I can say that that's been the best part of our homeschool years. Sometimes mm-hmm. our morning time lasts two or three hours. It often doesn't. And if it does, sometimes we're done with school after that. And that's been okay because they've learned so much, but the daily rhythm usually is our morning time. And then they do math and language arts. With this curriculum, we add math and language arts. That's it. Um, We do weave history throughout occasionally. Sometimes we watch videos on history. Sometimes our read alouds are historical fiction and we are able to plot those things on timelines. And so you just weave that in circumstantially, kind of where it fits. Yep based on interest maybe or different things like that Mm -hmm. because Jenny can tell you it does not take that long to learn a subject Mm -hmm. it really doesn't and I've really learned that I don't do this unit study with my high schooler fully but now there are certain topics that she'll sit with us and and learn more about especially if we're doing a trip like to see the caves or something she will do that with us and she's she likes it it's great So we do our morning time and then math, language arts, and we usually sit at the table for that. And that doesn't take long either. Um, For context, my kids are second grade, third grade, sixth grade. And then we go right into our unit study and it takes less than an hour. So we're reading, we'll read together and we do it all together, all at the table. My oldest one can do a lot of research on his own, but it's supervised, which is great. And then my younger ones, they learn how to research. I think it's super important for kids mm-hmm. to learn how to research. I didn't want my kids regurgitating information on a test. I'd much rather ha- have them learn something and then draw it in their nature journal and then bullet point like five cool facts about the thing that they just journaled. And they learn that way and they revisit their nature journals so much. And we're not beautiful nature journalers Mm -hmm. and you don't have to be i would love to be but we are not we are pretty bad at it but it's still things that they remember and you know Mm -hmm. what after that we're outside because these unit studies usually have a nature challenge every day and they're easy you don't have to go to some remote place to do them you can do them in your backyard or you can do them in the woods you can do them wherever you want and our day is done after that Mm -hmm. the rest of the day is spent being together or them just playing outside or doing Legos or anything they want. So it's like a two to three hour day. Yeah. And it's so important. I think now more than ever, 
I think for a while, there was really such an emphasis on the STEM way of life and how necessary that was. And it felt a little bit more like you had to be in a box and you would have lived through, you know, that mm-hmm. you would have been homeschooling through that. Mm-hmm. But even just in the past three to four years, it's becoming so apparent that, and there's a lot of books about it, about how the job market is really changing. And so we want our kids to be flexible. We want them to have quick, adaptable minds. They need to have grit. They need to have resilience. They need to be creative. And these types of skills, they need to be really good in social situations. These type of skills arise not from sitting at a desk, but from having their own time to explore and do things. And the school day, you know, if it's seven, eight hours, a lot of times that's taken up the best of the day, the best part of the day. And then homework my goodness i mean Mm -hmm. it's going younger and younger Mm -hmm. i mean i hear about first graders have 90 minutes of homework and i think my goodness if they've already been in a seated seated school environment for seven hours that's enough and in fact john taylor gatto who was a public school educator and one that won awards in new york of all places so many teachers in new york and he won new york state teacher of the year and possibly twice and he's passed on in the past couple of years, but he said that there's ample research that it takes less than a hundred hours for kids to reach functional literacy. And by that, he means that they could learn anything that they wanted to know, that they would have enough reading, writing, and math skills to learn mm-hmm. anything from that point, 100 hours less than, sometimes he says less than 50. So less than 50 contact hours at the right stage. Yep. You're like a four-year-old is not gonna learn enough math that they need a reading that they need to know, but maybe if they're nine, they're at the spot where if you really put in some time a week or two, they're going to be at a place where man, they could learn anything. Mm-hmm. And there's millions mm-hmm. of things of value to study. Mm-hmm. And so we really don't need quite that much time. It's sort of ingrained in society that for whatever reason that they need this thousands and thousands of hours. But truly, mm-hmm, and especially for the world that's coming, I think they do need a lot of time to be able to work through their boredom. So what we were looking for was we were looking for a curriculum that was multi-age. I want to be able to do it all together. And in our family, our high schooler does join in because it is just an hour. Mm -hmm. And so it's fine for him to sit with the family. We're in a different spot because your oldest isn't your oldest of all your kids. And so it's just different depending on the stage that you're in. It probably will change as our kids move through. But currently our oldest is kind of part of our pack of five. And so it's just an hour. So he'll sit through and then it's multi-age and then we're learning all together these things that cross over and we talk about them so we'll talk about the mushrooms i mean we're outside we've been outside for ten thousand hours in the past decade and of course obviously i know mushrooms exist and we've seen them here or there but since we've done the mushrooms unit then we all notice them and everyone notices them more and you almost think like did all these mushrooms grow since i did the mushroom unit i mean you know they were there before Uh but we're noticing and everyone's pointing out the sky and so it's something that's also bringing us together as a family unit a way to bind us together because we're learning a lot of the same things that are in context within our day-to-day lives like so for example we went on a, a big trip for our anniversary and there was signage at the place we got to go snorkeling and it was talking about endemic species that were right in that right area where we were snorkeling. We learned about endemic species in our curriculum, all of us, mm-hmm. we'd all learned about it. Mm-hmm. And so then we get to have that conversation because it wasn't like, well, the third grader was learning about that and the sixth grader was learning about this. It was like, no, we all got to learn about endemic species. So then we all got to have a conversation and it unites us as a family. So this is multi-age, it's cross-curricular, it's fascinating and it's affordable just one per family and you don't have to get one book for everyone we were really 
that was something that was really important to us since we have large families and know that a lot of times in homeschool situations, we're dealing with budgets and we're dealing with, we're having to pay for all the things, mm -hmm. you know, all the mm -hmm. meals and all the different parts of it. And so that was an important thing for us. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember, to sign up and save, we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. So what we thought about doing was walking through one of the units. Now there's 15 units in year one, 15 units. Each one is two weeks, could last you three, could last you a month. Mm -hmm. It depends on how fast or how slow you wanna go. We recommend for ages six to 14 or 15, younger kids can join up, older kids can join down. Mm -hmm. But if you just had a four and a two-year-old, this isn't the time. You're not quite there yet. Keep playing, keep baking, keep getting out your Play-Doh. This is not the right time to do it. But if you had a, an eight, a seven, and a four-year-old, then do it together. If you just have a 19-year-old or an 18-year-old, nope, like you're past this. You could do it for fun. You could give one of them if you go on a vacation, but that's not the right age either. So we talk about six to 14 or 15 is the target age. You're going to add on math. We like math. You see you've done different kinds of math yeah. for different kids. You're going to add on math some language arts, but there is a lot of writing and language and reading and vocabulary mm -hmm. and things like that in the curriculum as well. 
but we're going to go through one of the two week units so that someone could get a sense of how it works what yeah what it's yep. going to be like so they're broken down into week one week two total of eight days there is a whole list at least 10 of recommended book lists you don't have to use any of those but they're so good so we try to get all of them all of these books have been found at my local library so that helps and i don't choose which books we read we re read one or two a day i lay them out for my kids and have them choose and it doesn't matter what order you go in so that was great and then whatever supplies you need and i we try to make them minimal supplies because if I see a whole list of supplies, I'm not doing those things. Oh, absolutely. So, <laughs> so in this particular one in Sunflowers, so when you say each week is four days, so it's a Monday to a Thursday, a lot of times people have on Friday, they might have co-op, you might have a field trip day, you just have a catch-up day, or maybe your, maybe your co-op day is Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So it's a four-day week, two four-day weeks. It just gives you a little bit of space in there. We're all about space. And the supplies list for this one is only three long, right? So Which is great. this one you need uh, a sunflower that you're going to dissect. So they had those for us. They had them at the grocery store. We've grown some of our own. Mm -hmm. Get them at a farmer's market. You need a magnifying glass and then you need a canvas for painting. And so those are the supplies for the whole two weeks. It's not anything that is going to blow your budget. And it's also a lot of times it's stuff you might have on hand or it's easy to get. Mm hmm. Yeah, and some of them are longer than that, but not much longer. So day one is usually an overview of the topic. All of these are nature topics. So for sunflowers, we're doing an overview of sunflowers. Um, there's a lot of cool vocabulary woven in. I'm a big believer that I just use vocabulary in everyday life and then define it right there. So we don't have vocabulary quizzes or anything. They just learn the words right in context, which we love. You'll take a lot of breaks for sketching or writing things down, but if your child's little, just have them do it orally. We do that a lot, actually. My kids actually write very little. We learn the differences between heirloom plants and non-heirloom plants. I never learned that growing up, and it's kind of fascinating. And how to pass seeds down to people, which was super cool. I loved that. And I mean, this goes on and on. We have little nature challenges. One of these is like, go and find a sunflower because you're going to dissect it tomorrow. Um, we couldn't find a sunflower in our backyard, so we went to the grocery store. There's a lot of geography woven in. One thing that all my college students said was that people don't know geography, like to the point that they don't know there's seven continents, Jenny. Mm. Yes. It's tricky. I mean, this is the thing. It's like, you know, you sit in school for so long. You know, so if they're in college, they've sat in school for 15,000 hours and they get to college and they don't know the seven continents. And then they're like, well, where did that time go? What was everyone doing yeah, for 15,000 hours? And it, it makes it harder to join into conversation. Mm -hmm. I think if you don't have a baseline of information. So Josh, he's got a really good memory and he can join in on any conversation, like anytime. And people will be talking about whatever. And I'll be like, how do you insert himself in that conversation? But he just has this really large base of cohesive information in his mind and he can join in on different conversations. So it's important to know where things are and where things are located. This one talks about, I don't know if you've gotten there yet, but where the leaves are placed on the mm -hmm. on the stems. Yep. And maybe you haven't gotten there yet. Oh, it's coming. It's okay. Day two. I, I know I jumped. I jumped it's ahead. Okay, jump. So day one, one hour is yep. talking about the overview of sunflowers. You're talking about circadian rhythm. I mean, sunflowers are fascinating fascinating that they completely turn mm -hmm. to see the sun and 
a really cool thing to study. And it's one of those things that all of these nature topics are things that like clouds or caves, they're things that are everywhere. Maybe you don't have a massive cave system near you, but you know, everyone can see clouds and everyone has seen a cave or you, mm -hmm. you know, you know of a cave. It's not something that's really obscure. Same with sunflowers. If it's the right season, you're going to be driving through your town and people will have grown them. And so then you start to notice them more that they're, they come. I mean, I thought really up until we started gardening, I guess I would have thought that all sunflowers were yellow. Mm -hmm. No, there's so there's purple. I mean, yeah. The Chianti one. Yeah, yeah, and then you start to notice all of the different varieties of them. Mm -hmm. And observation is a great skill too. And so what this has helped our family do is to become better observers because when you're learning about something, then you notice it more. Mm -hmm. So this is the one we did with another family. And Ginny was talking about the leaf placement, which is called phyllotaxy. And that's the arrangement of leaves on the stalk or stem of the plant. And they can be alternately arranged, opposite, all sorts of things. But then we went on a nature hike and we were not even searching for this. It was like a just a general nature hike through the woods for fun. And this little five or six year old, he found every single one of those. Wow. And he's like, look, it's what we learned. And I think that's so cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have never thought to look. I guess I wouldn't have even thought that there were varieties. But on a stem, the leaves can be right next to each other. Mm -hmm. They can be alternating on different sides. They can be in little clumps. And I would have never thought to look at that. And they all have different names. But once you learn it, then you start to notice it when you're out and about. And it does make your day-to-day -day hikes. Because sometimes I'll say people say, well, hikes, you know, they can get a little boring. But when you have these different pieces of information, there's more to look for mm -hmm. and there's more to engage with because you have this foundational information. And I think it's fun. Like if you ever go on a hike or a walk and you're with someone that knows things, they're like the most popular person. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah like if they know sure. what kind of butterfly that was or they know this and you're like, oh, because, you know, I feel like I would go on hikes. So I'm like, I don't really know anything, you know, but now now we know more. And Jenny, you could know everything if you did the add the wonder nature <laughs> curriculum. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, it is interesting, though, because it's all around us. These are the things that are all around us. So it makes it easy to jump into those situations and to be able to engage in new ways. Yep. So this nature challenge was go on a nature hike and try to find plants that fit in all of these categories. And you know what? Maybe your yard doesn't have all those categories. That's totally fine because they will see it in the future. Mm -hmm. And they're, they'll remember. It's kind of cool. And it is true. They will notice everything. Mm -hmm. And your nature hikes will take a lot longer. That's the warning because they will notice everything you have studied. Mm -hmm. So then day three is all the sunflower varieties. Like Jenny said, she only thought there were yellow ones. Nope, there's tons And of I would have thought they were all tall. Uh -huh. But there's the teddy bear sunflowers that are shorter and they're so cute. We grew Mexican sunflowers mm -hmm. last year and those are red and they're tall, but they're they're way smaller, like the, you know, the diameter across. And then there's the Titan. I mean, there's so many different types of sunflowers. And I think that's a fun thing, too, to open a child's eyes to the variety, the wonder that's in the world around us, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I think if there was only one type of sunflower, that would be really cool. Yeah. But the fact is, is there are so many different types and this just exposes them to a few different types. And even the seeds are different. Yeah. So that's a cool thing. The seed from one sunflower to the next type, they look different. So you can identify those. And as you're dissecting, you see how many seeds there are, but from one to the next, they're different depending on the variety. And so I love learning about I mean, this is a big thing in nature that there's not just one type of fish or one type of tree or one type of summer. There's so many. And they're learning that through this as well. 
and you can eat the whole sunflower. You can eat the whole the sunflower. The entire thing. I've seen it. I've seen people yep. grilling up the sunflower head. <laughs> mm -hmm. My kids tried it all. And we learn like on day four, it's sunflower uses. And some of this information isn't anything they would learn in school, but it's just super fun. Um, we learned that sunflower seeds started to be eaten in the 1860s. In 1926, there was a grocery store in California that began roasting and selling their sunflower seeds. And this eventually became the David brand of sunflower seeds. And I know if you're in the United States, you've seen them. They're in every yeah. grocery store checkout lane. So what was the year? It was 1926. So, yep. I mean, this has not even been 100 years. Yep. You, so this is another interesting thing. And we were talking about this with clouds. Clouds is one of the units that the classifications of clouds didn't come about until 1802. Mm -hmm. And I would have thought that people have been studying clouds and naming clouds. These names are hundreds and thousands of years old. And the same thing with eating sunflower seeds, roasting and yeah. selling them and consuming them and all those types of things. Like, oh, people have been doing this forever. Mm -hmm. But no, it's just been a nope. hundred less than a hundred years that stores started doing it. And so now we, we would take this now and write that on our history timeline. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of useless history, but it makes the connection in their brain. And then there's another piece of useless history, but I thought this was super cool. And it happened in 1968, which was not that long ago. A famous baseball player, Reggie Jackson, started chewing sunflower seeds during his baseball games because in 1980, um, sunflower seeds were banned from Major League Baseball. Or not sunflower seeds, tobacco. Sunflower oh, seeds like, would not be banned from <laughs> tobacco, they realized tobacco was tobacco banned, so they chain. switched to sunflower yeah. seeds. So, I mean, mm -hmm. that's cool. I'm adding that to our timeline. Mm -hmm. And that's a really good connection point. You know, you've mm -hmm. got a kid that likes sports, that likes baseball. Yeah. And you know, like you go and they, people are spitting out, they're always spitting out the, yeah, the, casing, the casing part of it, right? And then they're eating the sunflower seeds. And so, oh, they're all spit on the ground. Yeah. And so that's just an interesting thing. It's very cool. We learn all about sunflower dyes. They have the opportunity to make a dye out of sunflowers. And then they learned about how so many birds love sunflower seeds. It's like the universal bird food. So we did it this year. We filled a bird feeder with just sunflower seeds and then a bird feeder with just like the mix of seeds. And the sunflower seeds were gone every other day. Wow. But the cool thing about that is I've tried to plant sunflowers for my entire life and they never grow. And I have about 40 sunflowers growing at the bottom of this bird feeder because the birds planted them. Mm -hmm. The birds know how to plant. They can be tricky to grow because they get eaten. They do. They get eaten at their, mm -hmm. you know, their, once mm -hmm. they've sprouted, sometimes they get eaten. And the sunflower seeds help keep birds warm in the winter. There's something about the yeah. oils in them and just a unique way that they're made. And it's really cool. You'd, har you'd harvest it right before the winter comes and you would have, you know, you plant one seed and you just are getting like thousands I know, it's, it's very it's cool unbelievable so we're actually already into week two here and we're just really it's a it's a rough overview but you can start to see how it's cohesive and it all weaves together so that you are learning all sorts of things through the study of one topic so mm -hmm. you know you've done week one you've learned about sunflowers you've learned all these different things that you could apply in other areas of life like so the leaf placement for example you're going to see that no matter if it's on a sunflower or any type of plant, you can take that into other areas of life. So we're into week two. Yep, which is history. And we already touched on the Spanish and we get into history more with Ukraine because it's the Ukrainian national flower, which is super cool because remember, it was only in North America 
until mm-hmm. the Spanish took it over to Europe, which was really neat. It's also the state flower of Kansas. We try to weave little country and state studies in here kind of quickly, but I think it's neat. I don't live in Kansas. Jenny doesn't live in Kansas, but we know where Kansas is now mm-hmm. because we learned about Kansas. And we put fun facts in here too. So when we did the Kansas study, we do the normal things like the bird and the bug and the state animal. But we also learned that Wichita, Kansas is home to the first airplane factory. We learned there's a grasshopper church there because the church was in the process of building and there was a grasshopper plague and they were like, forget it. We're just putting the foundation over the grasshoppers. We learned that helium was discovered there. So my kids would be like, what's helium? And then we learn about helium. Sure. Yeah, it's super interesting. And then from that, you learn a little bit about your own state, which that would be a part of most people's curriculum, mm-hmm. you know, where you're learning, well, like in our case, it would be Michigan history and Michigan, you know, the state bird and state flower and that type of thing. So it starts by learning about Kansas, finding it on the map, you know, learning what the capital is and then talking about your own state. What are some interesting things about your own state? So it all weaves together and you just end up with a lot more information then if you just learned about Michigan, I mean, we only learned about Michigan. Yeah. We only learned yeah. Michigan history. We only learned, and I don't remember learning about Kansas, but it's cool to know that Kansas is the sunflower state. And that just helps you to know more about that particular state. I won't forget that. You won't forget that it's illegal to sing the alphabet song on the streets of Topeka at night. <laughs> they have all those funny laws. That's actually a fact. <laughs> I loved learning all those funny laws. Those are fun. But then it makes you think about your own place. Where do you live? Maybe you don't live in the U.S. Maybe you live in another spot. And so... You start to learn about do you have a you know a reptile that represents mm-hmm. your area or a tree or a flower or something like that so kansas is the sunflower state it's cool and it has it's home to the most civil war casualties so when we did mm-hmm. sunflowers my kids are like what's the civil war i mean they're second and third grade they don't know but we were able to write that on the timeline and mm-hmm. learn a tiny bit about it because i think it's about exposure too right yeah so who would think that okay when you learn about kansas then you you learn that fact about mm-hmm. the civil war and you're learning about kansas mm-hmm. because we're talking about sunflowers and it all weaves together and then they start to have these this basis of information and then when they learn about the civil war later they've already learned about it once in a cohesive yep. way and so they have something to connect that new knowledge to Kansas is the windiest. There's a windiest city in America. Anybody lives in Dodge City, send us a message. We want to hear from you. (laughs) That sounds interesting. And shooting rabbits from a motorboat is illegal here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely don't don't do do that. that. Don't Don't do do that. You'll end up in jail. This is a fun way to start the week. Week two. It's super fun. Learning about Kansas and learning about your own state. And education and learning is not linear. And I've learned that over the past 20 years. I mean, mm-hmm. you think your kids are going to learn this and then this and then this and our, like on a line, like on a timeline. Mm-hmm. Ours is like a web. Yeah. We're learning all sorts of things at all sorts of times and they don't need to learn all about the Civil War in second or third grade, but they can learn a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. Bends. I mean, that's like how our brains are. Our brains are these massive webs. They're not mm-hmm. like straight lines. They're not linear. And so I think this is a fun way to learn about our world. Now we're up to day six, which is Ginny's expertise. Ginny talked about this and I was like, what? She's like, you know, the Fibonacci sequence. And I'm like, what? (laughs) But isn't that interesting? Here we are grown up raising kids. And there's things that we've never heard of or learned in the Fibonacci sequence and the golden ratio. There's ways that things grow in nature. That's the optimal way for them to grow. So the way that the sunflower seeds are arrayed within 
the head of a sunflower is the optimal way for them to get the most sunlight. And the Fibonacci sequence, this spiral, is seen everywhere. It's seen in the Milky Way, it's seen in an embryo, it's seen in a shell, it's seen in a pine cone. So through Fibonacci, then you're also learning history, mm-hmm. you're learning geography, you're learning math, and it's real world math. And I think it makes math for those that are maybe a little more math averse, it makes it more exciting and more accessible to see like, oh, these concepts in math are all around us all the time, even within the stars in the sky, down to the seashell you might mm-hmm. find at the beach. It, this was fascinating. When we learned about the Fibonacci sequence, it was super fascinating. I'd never heard of it before, and now I see it in everything. And at the end of this unit, they actually do a Fibonacci hike. So that was really neat. But backing up to history, there's more history in here. Fibonacci, the man who was a mathematician, he lived during the Middle Ages. And then we talk a tiny bit about the Middle Ages, and they can timeline that. Yeah, and that's a really big thing. The Renaissance, the Middle Ages, all those. And like I, you know, like I have a little bit of recall, like I've learned about the Dark Ages. I remember Mm -hmm. learning about those things, but I don't have a lot of other touch points beyond just knowing the words. And so in this way, the kids are learning that, oh, this guy, because we're learning about sunflowers and there's, you know, Fibonacci, he's from the Middle Ages. And so then they just have a little bit more information in that pot, a little more things that they can draw from. Yep. And there's geography in there, too. He was from Italy. So they have to map where Mm -hmm. Italy is on the map and they're slowly learning geography through the study of sunflowers. Um, Jenny talked about the pine cones and they have a certain spiral and I didn't believe it. (laughs) I made my kids (laughs) go in. I'm like, this is, this is not good. What? Witchcraft. Anyway, (laughs) they went and got the pine cones and those spirals were in every single one of those pine cones. It's unbelievable because it's the optimal way for them to grow. Yeah, it was Mm kind of crazy. Or tree branches. We talk about how they grow using the Fibonacci sequence. And you already talked about the galaxies and the Nautilus shell and humans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. it's how the embryo grows. It's so neat. And then, like we said, these are the things that are all around us. You know, everyone can find a pine cone. It might be a different kind of pine cone. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know if everybody can find a pine cone. Probably everybody cannot probably. find a pine cone. I don't know. That's not true. But if you can't find a pine cone, then you could probably find a shell. I mean, yeah. everybody yeah. can find something that showcases the mm-hmm. Fibonacci sequence. Mm-hmm. That definitely. would probably be a better way to put it. Yeah, definitely. I think most people have seen pictures of pine cones. Yeah. Or you've traveled somewhere and you see a pine cone. And the pine cones themselves are interesting how they open and close mm-hmm. depending on the heat. I mean, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. When the skies open up while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody, and my vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing vessies, stormburst boots, to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, Transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I 
com slash outside for 15% off your first order. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit BetterHelp.com slash 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash 1000 hours. Yep. And so then day seven, we move into the artists and picture study, which we already talked about. There's so many artists that painted sunflowers. And actually, the artists we studied, they all kind of had a relationship with each other. Which is so cool. It was it's Van so Gogh cool. and Matisse. Yeah. And this guy that I always pronounce his name wrong. Oh. My mom's like, you pronounce it wrong. And I'm like. How does she pronounce it? I don't know. But I'm Paul, like. Paul Gonguin? Yeah, I don't know. Paul Gonguin? Sure. And we're just going to say it. Yeah. We're just going to make sure that. But you know that's okay that. too. I mean, I just think that's also part of learning. And I think when you're a homeschool parent, sometimes you feel like you have to be an expert on everything. And it's embarrassing if you don't know stuff, but it's okay. I mean, we're all learning. And I think Mm -hmm. that life should be a process of learning. Our kids should see us learning and messing up names and things like that. And we do. And yeah, and then it helps. You know, what's really interesting too is that Van Gogh in particular, because then they're doing some different paintings and things, but Van Gogh comes up in clouds. Yes. So a lot of these cross over even between the different units. So Van Gogh comes up in clouds because there's a certain type of cloud called the Kevin uh, Kelvin Kelvin Helmholtz. Yeah, yeah he has a, <laughs> Why did they name a cloud? Yeah, it, it's the one that it's named after two scientists. Yes, it but is. it yeah, that that's their names. Kelvin Heimholtz. Heimholtz. and that's the cloud that looks like a wave, which I've yep. actually never seen in yep. person. But one Starry Night, I think, is possibly the painting yep. that has that. Yep. He has some other cool paintings of clouds too. But these topics are not just coming up once; they're coming up in several ways that are unique to that unit but also cross mm-hmm. over to the other things so you can do these one off like you can buy them individually you can buy them digitally and just print it out or do it off your ipad you could buy a single unit as a book or you can buy the whole curriculum all 15 weeks it's a little bit cheaper but if you do that what you'll start to see is you'll start to see a little bit of crossover yeah. here and there and you can do them in any order mm-hmm. because even if we introduce a topic and we're and it's we already introduced it in another unit. It doesn't matter, right? Because you could spiraling. learn about Van Gogh yeah. clouds first, yeah. and then Van Gogh sunflowers second. But yeah. you're talking about impressionism, post-impressionism. Yep, we this learn is, all about that. This in is here. history as well. So beyond that, then we're also talking about these are careers. Yep, you're talking about artists, and we're talking about mariners in the clouds unit. All these different careers that you could have, you know, historians, and so I like that part too. I do too. I, in early homeschool days, I always skipped picture study and like poetry and stuff because I'm like, and now, I mean, I'm doing it because there's so many cool things to see. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have done it all along, but yeah, that's a really fun one. 
And then we move to day eight, which the last day of every unit is usually somewhat of an activity day. So in this one, you're going to learn how to build a sunflower house, which Ginny has I've tried. tried to build, but it's never actually worked out for me. But the concept of it is really cool. And if you're going to build a sunflower house, you can learn about circumference. Yep. And circumference and diameter, area and perimeter, all yep. these things are great to learn hands-on because a lot of times kids don't remember. And these were questions as a math teacher that got brought up a lot, which I thought was funny because I feel like the word is right in there, like perimeter. It has the word rim. I don't know how many times I said that. It's the rim, perimeter, rim. But you know, if you go out in the garden and you actually have to put in a raised bed or something, then yep. you learn, you know, I need to know how much wood goes all the way around the outside. And I need to know how much space I have to actually plant my things. Or if I wanna do a sunflower house and I wanna make it in a circle shape, how many sunflower seeds do I need mm -hmm. to go around the outer edge, but I wanna leave two feet for the door. So this is math in real life, in real context. It's really, the, for most of us, the only math that we are actually going to use as we grow up and, and become adults. Yeah. And that is something that kids complain about to no end is when am I gonna use this? So you can learn about that circumference is pi times the diameter or two pi r. So then you're learning, you could do either one and they're learning why that matters. Yep, and they learn that right in here. Mm -hmm. They also learn how to grow sunflowers. Um, we just let the birds do it at our house. But if you <laughs> wanted to do it, you learn how to do it. You learn how to protect from heavy winds because they're a top heavy plant. Yeah, they definitely will fall over. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. You learn that you can start them indoors, but they're super picky flowers and they might die from transplant shock. And then they learn what transplant shock is. And those are cool things mm -hmm. to learn. Yeah, it's important, especially for gardening. So yep. when we plant indoors, and I like to start seeds indoors, just because it extends your growing season, you have to give them time to harden off. Yep. So you have to give them time to spend time basically out in the open air. So we would maybe do two hours in the middle of the day one day and then three hours. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'd actually start in the morning. It's less hot sun and, and they're getting used to the winds and the breeze and that type of thing. So just practical life skills of planting and harvesting and gardening and that type of thing. Yep. Very cool. And then we end with a Fibonacci hike. So knowing that the final day is an activity day, it's fun to kind of go back and um, look what you're going to be doing, because this is something I would do with friends. This is we like to do a lot of we did a mushroom hike together. Yeah. And it was really fun. And it's a good way to build community. I mean, OK, this is oh, this is the thing that happened. So this is what I said at the beginning. <laughs> you know, we, we've hiked now for for 10 years. I mean, this is how we've been living our life. And I mean, I don't know, I've never really noticed the mushrooms. So then I told the kids, you know, we're trying to get like pictures of the curriculum. I was like, I'll pay everyone 50 cents for every mushroom they find. Well, then they found like 1 million mushrooms. And mm -hmm. I was like, I take it back. I take it Our back. Our kids are rich now. <laughs> I take it back. They're like, mom, where's my $65? I was like, never mind. But, but because we didn't notice them prior to really learning about them and studying them mm -hmm. and then they were everywhere and they found really cool ones really cool just ones. in random spots you know they grow really well in the sandy yep. soil which was surprising to me we were up in Ludington along the shores of Lake Michigan where we did that hike and they were just all the orange and the red ones and purple and huge and small like little teeny and they were the kids loved it and they, and they do it all the time now they do and then this Fibonacci hike is fun and I think it's a big deal to have and build your own little homeschool community. Mm -hmm. I mean, the kids need to know how to do that. My older kids are still involved in the community that we have now and they're adults. They still come to things. And so these are great ways mm -hmm. to. This goes back community. to the multi-age. Yeah. Because nature 
it hits every age. Mm -hmm. Your infant, if you have a babe in arms, your infant is interested in nature. They're going to love to watch the trees, the leaves swaying in the wind. And they're going to love to see the birds hopping and the rabbits and whatever it is that's near you, your infant is going to love it. If your great grandma is 92 and she wants to come on your Fibonacci hike, she, she can, can come and you can invite your friends. And even if your friends have kids that are different ages, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be two third grade girls. Yeah. You know, it can just be a group of kids and they'll come and they have fun together and they help each other. The older kids help the, the younger ones get to a higher level. The younger kids help the older ones be more empathetic and learn how to be nurturing. By being in a multi-age environment, it allows your child to fit in. Yes. No matter what yep. skill level that they're at, and maybe they are not reading that well yet, and they could fit in a little bit better with maybe a younger kid, or maybe even just their physical skills are developed differently. And when you have these multi-age environments, it's everyone fits. They do. And I think that People will say, Julie, how do you have such good community time? Because you're funny. <laughs> That's why. That's what Vivian would say. She would say, because you're <laughs> funny. funny. And she would say you're funny because you drink, drink Diet, Diet Coke. Coke. I don't know. That's, that's not allowed to say that on a <laughs> podcast. Jamie, that is nice what secret. she thinks, though. She talks about it all the time. She's like, how could I become that funny? She's like, maybe if I drink Diet Coke. I was like, no, I don't be. think that's the answer. <laughs> or it could be time, like time spent with these people has yeah. built community over years and years and years people will say julie how are your kids so close and my kids are very close mm. with one, one another time yeah. learning together not separating them into a hundred different subjects at their grade level i mean there are, are no formulas if i had to say that's a formula that's a formula time, mm -hmm. time. just that one word yeah and this allows them to have their own time and time together yeah and so then each book ends with dinner time family discussion questions because sometimes maybe you have a, a kid maybe that's off doing something else during the day you've got older kids that are off working but they come home for dinner you have a spouse that's out of the house for the day and they come home and so at dinner you can bring everyone together over some of the questions so i'm going to ask you one okay. are you ready i'm ready okay if you could design your own sunflower what color would you make it mm, yellow uh, there's already orange. I think all the colors are there, Ginny. No, I would do like teal. Oh, blue would be cool. Yeah, yeah blue is the least common. Cool. Blue is the least common of okay. all the flowers. Yeah, that would be a cool one. Fun fact about these dinnertime discussion questions. I'm terrible at writing these. And my 18-year-old, I made him read every single one of these curriculum books. Mm -hmm. And then I had him These do, are Caleb questions. These are Caleb questions. Shout out to Caleb. And he would, yeah, he actually did one. I forget what unit, but it was, he talked about, oh, it was, he gave the fact that you can often find bumblebees sleeping in flowers. I'm like, Caleb, that's so not true. I've never seen that in my entire 48 years. He's like, no, mom, it's true. So the we said that fact, and then we said, where is the most unique place you've slept? And mm -hmm. I'm not even joking. Two weeks later, I look at a flower, and there is a bumblebee. Sleeping. 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 I mean, that's a great place to sleep. You know. To sleep inside of a flower. We actually, I mean, that's a really cool question, because we just went on this trip to Moab. Me and Vivian went to the Moab Adventure Center, and we did this rafting trip down the Desolation Canyon. Mm -hmm. And there was a fair amount of mosquitoes when we went because the water levels were high. I think normally there's no bugs, but we happened on this freak random time where there was quite a bit. But the last night there weren't as many. And so we slept under the stars on a cot. Mm -hmm. So it's like the most unique place that I've ever slept is like along the shore of the Green River in Moab, Utah on a cot, you know, in a place that I would venture to say hardly anybody slept yeah. at. You know, very few people yeah. over the course of history 
have slept in the spot where we slept. And so that is a really unique question. And I think it would spur kids on to think, well, where, you know, where is a unique place that I could go sleep? And just to envision yeah. a bee sleeping in a flower. So it ends with these dinner time discussion questions. And like you said earlier, I mean, these are questions that you could ask a grandma. I think having good questions in your arsenal is a good life skill too. Yes. For mm -hmm. people that don't talk or something. Yeah, well, sure. You can ask them where the most... You can ask where they slept. <laughs> and they wouldn't think you're weird at all. <laughs> Don't lead with that one. Save that, tuck that one in away for later. Or that's a good one. I mean, it talks about traffic jams because there's a place in Ontario, Canada. And, and this is another important point is that these curriculums are not location specific. Mm -hmm. Like this, in this one, we talk about Kansas, we talk about Canada, we talk about Spain, we talk about Ukraine, yeah. you know, wherever you live. You can download, there's downloadable versions you can get too. So it doesn't matter where you live. All of the different ones are gonna highlight places all across mm -hmm. the world. So it's not just strictly US based, but in Ontario, there was this huge sunflower field and 7,000 people showed up to take pictures and there was this huge traffic jam. So the question is about being in a traffic jam. So just interesting ways to incorporate our everyday learning and experiences and real life things all together. We incorporate it all together and kids learn and they grow. So we are gonna tell you the 15 that we have. Yep. And those are available now, both digitally and in print. And then there will be 15 more coming for the 2023, 2024 school mm -hmm. year. So for those people who are early adopters, there are new ones that are coming. Yep. And But if you're new to this and this has been out for a full school year and we have gotten a ton of feedback already. So people are loving doing it with multiple age of kids all together. It takes one hour. In fact, we were at a conference together and people were coming up and so they'd buy the whole thing or they'd buy an individual one. And we were walking through the hotel area and there was a boy. I mean, he was just, he had the book right open. He was probably 11. He looked like the boy, right? He had the book right open, his face in it, walking and reading. It was so cool. It was natural disasters. Yeah, so it was so cool. And that one gets a lot of question questions, natural disasters, because you're not visiting a volcano or anything, and which some of these you're not going to be able to visit. Like you might not be in a place with sunflowers. You will always be in a place with clouds. Mm -hmm. You might not be in a place with caves. That's okay, because chances are you're going to visit a cave. Or you just be by one. We yeah. went on a kayak trip in Tennessee just the other day, and there was caves all within the rocks on the sides. Mm -hmm. And so everyone's looking at them and noticing which ones are big, which ones are small. And so that was exciting. So year one is clouds. And they're all fantastic. People ask what's the one to start with or what's a favorite. And I don't have a favorite. Start with whatever season start, you're in. And start with whatever interests you. Yep. So clouds, sand and soil, owls, mushrooms, odd couples, which is about symbiosis. That's so fascinating. The symbiosis in nature is so cool. Animal travelers is about migratory animals. Yep. So you're learning about the monarch. You're learning about the humpback whale. The reindeer. Mm-hmm. A lot of animals that, I mean, it is fascinating. And these are fascinating things that they know where to go and when to go. Mighty Trees is about how trees can touch, taste, smell, hear, just like how humans can. So that's a fascinating one. Scatting Tracks is a popular one mm -hmm. because it's really about poop. About poop. Yeah, it's about poop. <laughs> and we did that one and then we went and saw, the, we saw bear poop. And I don't think... 
I would have known that it was bear poop had we not been studying that. And it was in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. We were together. Yeah. We were on this pretty cool trail that left me kind of chafed yep. at the end because yes. we were wet. So everyone was kind of uncomfortable on day two. But we hiked to this beach. It was beautiful. It was. But it was a hefty hike. But we stopped for the poop. And it was on the way back and it was on a boardwalk. And so to think you're in the middle of nowhere and you think, okay, I am walking in a place where a bear just pooped. It was filled with berries. So it's really cool to learn about poop. Sunflowers, like we just talked about, river animals. Is that right? What's yeah, called river, river creatures? River creatures, yeah. River creatures. River we have animals. adapted some maybe of the names. Maybe animals. River creatures. I think it's river it's creatures. River something. Caves, seeds, yep. bears animal homes which animal homes are so cool they're so sweet mm -hmm. they really are the way that they can build their homes i mean sometimes you just watch the birds going and collecting mm -hmm. the little things and they use their spit and it's they learn and they phenomenal. get they get to build a nest in that one too yeah a lot of hands-on yeah and the natural disasters so those are the 15 that are available now you can find them on 1000hoursoutside.com and we're going to give you a coupon code okay you can get 10 percent off the add the wonder curriculum 10 percent off and it's already really reasonably yes. priced yeah and the coupon is going to be atw look at that add the, wonder, add the wonder podcast 10 atw podcast 10 that you can get 10 percent off you could get 10 percent off the digital or the print the print are beautiful it's a mm -hmm. matte finish it's a book that you would keep forever they're gorgeous different colors obviously you can't see this through the screen but they are beautiful that's one of the things that i liked as a homeschool mom is i liked beautiful resources i do because if i'm going to be spending time with it i want to really yeah. like to look at it I'm and the same. there are original drawings original illustrations in there that are only found in this set of curriculum and even some of the covers and things like that. It's original artwork. Mm -hmm. And it's we just beautiful. think your family will love it. Our family has thrived on it over the past year. Uh, we have learned a lot. I have learned, I've learned a lot. I've learned so much. Which is kind of a funny thing to say, like when you put out your own curriculum yes. and then you say you've learned. But really, truly it is because you learn as you do it with your children, you see what fascinates them. Mm -hmm. And it's a reminder to you of things that you've learned. So you can keep, keep an ear out because we are going to be doing some different podcasts that highlight some of the different topics and it'd be a fun one to listen to with your kids with your family so that you can know more about these fascinating nature topics but once again if you're interested in implementing the curriculum in your homeschool at your forest school with your charter school with your nature group with your church you could do this with your sunday school it would be a great idea you could just do one day every sunday and the kids could learn about all the different things that are in our world and the devotions that go along with them are for free on our website. But you go to 1000hoursoutside.com, look for the curriculum, and you can get 10% off with ATW Podcast 10. It was a pleasure. If we got to meet you this year, which I think we got to meet so many of you at these different conferences, it was an absolute pleasure to meet you. It was fun to see people look at mm -hmm. the books. It was like a life or death situation, what they were going to choose. <laughs> They're like, I want to pick one, but which one am I going to pick? Sometimes they stand there for like 45 minutes and then other people will come up and they'll be like, we'll take all of them right now. So it was fun just to talk to all the families. So and fun. we just want to encourage you that if you are in a spot where you feel afraid, that you just dig in keep going mm -hmm. what you're doing matters it's very important and learning in different ways is fine it's totally fine your mm -hmm. kids are going to be so great yeah follow your heart follow what you know is best for your family uh, john taylor gatto says there's as many ways to be educated as there are fingerprints mm. so make it unique make it your own 
And if you're interested in learning through unit studies and through the topics of nature, we've got you covered. All right. Thanks for being here. But I don't think you, I can't talk today, so this is a terrible idea. Um, people want to know, you can talk like at the day. booth, they wanted to know, like, what do you do in the morning? I mean, I would talk about, like, that's when I do math. That's when I added language arts. This is when I do a morning time. This, this is right. how I weave this in. We're just going to have to wing it. Ready? Ginny, I had LaCroix and now I'm burping. You just made a really loud noise with your chair. <laughs> if you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy.